Good morning. How you doing? Good. Let me ask you a question. What will you do with the anointing that God has put upon your life? It's a sobering question. Some of you just immediately said, oh, well, this isn't for me. He's talking to preachers again. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm talking to you because every individual on this planet is is anointed for a purpose. Some people call that a calling. Not every calling is just about the fivefold gifts. Most of the time we think of things that way. We think, okay, he's talking about Ephesians 4, uh, 11 through 16, where Jesus gave gifts to the church, and he said he gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And since I don't fit in that category, then I can go back to sleep. And that's not at all what I'm talking about this morning. I'm saying that every person who is put on this planet has a purpose. They are uniquely gifted and qualified by God to do something. There's a reason why you are here. If that were not so, you would already be gone. If you had accomplished the purpose that God had for you, you would have already gone on to your reward. So my question again to you is this, what are you going to do with the anointing that God has put upon your life? Some people are called to pray. Some are called to, to just help others. They, some have an anointing on their life to just see things that others don't see. Did you know that? To feel for people in ways that others don't even think about it. To care for people. You say, well, you know, those of you that are very hospitable... And very sensitive and very caring. I make that statement. You're like, well, duh. Well, there's a lot of other people that are geared a different way who want to be sensitive. But no matter how hard they try, they're just not. They're just not. They want to care. They just don't think to care. Is there anybody, you know, I don't want you pointing at each other. But, I mean, is there anybody like that? I mean, I think I'm kind of one of those guys that I love folks, but man, I, I could I can walk right by somebody. In fact, I think I did that the other day. I, I get I, I owe somebody an apology, but I get so focused on a task that I see right through people. Does anybody else do that? You say, well, that's not very nice. I think I'm not I'm not sure, but I think I saw somebody from our church the other day somewhere, and I. I mean, I'm talking about it was them and me. And I, I even looked at them, and it didn't even register. And I just moved. And then I got in my car. I was driving away. I'm like, was that so-and-so? I bet you they just went home and told somebody I wasn't very nice. But I couldn't call them and say sorry, because what if it wasn't them? I didn't know what to do. I've been for three days. I've been perplexed over this situation. I think I was rude to somebody, but I don't know. Because I wasn't paying enough attention to even know if I'm wrong. All of us have certain giftings and things that qualify us, make us who we are. Those very qualifications 
have something to do with that thing that I'm calling the anointing. You're prepared. You're prepared to think like you think, to be who you are, to do what you're going to do. Some people are here to encourage. Some people are here to serve. A unique anointing on your life. Some of you, some of you have a, a, a unique anointing to be able to minister to children. I love children. I love kids. I wouldn't take my own into public until until I could reason with them and they would act right. Because I didn't want them embarrassing me in public, so I kept them at the house until they got old enough to understand when I said, if you act up, I'm going to beat you. But I love kids. But I'm going to tell you something, and the Lord's even laid that on my heart. He lays the orphanages and he lays these children on my heart and he, he motivates me to want to raise money to help them and all these kinds of things. But I'm going to tell you right now, the thought of having 15 or 16 kids in my house with me taken care of, I would lose my mind. But some people have that anointing and they're excellent at it because they're so patient and they're, they're so caring and they are gifted in such a way that things just kind of roll off and, and, th- and things that when you're, you, when you're, uh, when you have struggle and you, you have attention to detail, you know, things that have to be in the right place, anybody like that, you can't, it's just tough to be in a setting where that everything is always in the air. But for some people, in the air and, and confused and all over makes sense. And they do really well in those type situations. It's their calling. It's their anointing. Elisha was forced to deal with this issue one day. Elisha's just out in the field minding his own business. He's out there running a plow. He's just living a quiet, settled, secure life. He's running a family business. And a fella named Elijah walks up to him while he's working and throws a mantle on his shoulders and immediately Elisha is left with a choice to make that he did not know that he was going to be making that day. He didn't get a chance to wake up that morning and pray, okay, Lord, I know today I'm going to have this opportunity. I hope that you'll give me the wisdom and knowledge and know-how. Sometimes we have that ability. A lot of times the anointing comes in times and places that you have not had the opportunity to spend a lot of time thinking about what you're going to do with it. The anointing that says, you know that person that you just passed on the street? Yeah. Go back and take them to Walmart and buy them some groceries. What? I I need to go home and pray about that for a little while. Driving home from work and the Holy Spirit says, go home, get your lawnmower, go back over and mow that lawn. What? Driving by a house and the Holy Spirit says, go to the grocery store, buy some milk and eggs, go back and deliver to that house. What? I didn't pray about that this morning. 
didn't ask God if he wanted me to do that. This is Elisha. To this point, his life is quiet and settled. And it looks as if his future is intact. In fact, he's running this business, a family business that is probably quite profitable. I'll show you why in a minute, why I believe that to be the case. It's a full-grown man having made a decision probably that this is what his life would look like. And he's in the process of working with others to make this happen. Elijah, on the other hand, was a little bit older. And he was the prophet. And Elijah was in the midst of living this dangerous, adventurous, intense life. He was seeing miracles. Amazing things were happening in Elijah's life. Then one day, Elijah approaches Elisha and casts this mantle on his shoulders and just walks off and leaves Elisha to come to terms with this new calling. If he accepts this, it'll change his life forever. His days of getting up and plowing fields and farming and working around, these days are going to be over. Instead, he's going to be living a life of new so he can, he, he's got a choice. He can stay here and be quiet and settled. Or he can leave here and end up doing twice as many miracles between now and the rest of his life as his mentor had done. It's going to mean that he's going to have to change the familiar or the secure or, or what he would call the simple life. Elijah, on the other hand, let, let's talk about where he's been. He, he just before this, he's been up on Mount Horeb with God and their meeting has been uh, a, a, quite a situation. Elijah is not up on this mountain because he's there for revival. He is there because he is discouraged. He's upset and he's praying a prayer and telling God about how that everybody else in the world is worshiping Baal except for him. Have you ever had those days? I'm the only one. That's Elijah, the prophet, the man of God, the man of miracles, having a bad day. Because they hap- that happens. He's having a bad day and he's telling God, I got people that want to kill me. I've been trying to do this for you and now look what it's got me. Everybody wants me dead. Nobody likes me. I'm the only one still serving you. Can you imagine that? I'm the only one on the planet still serving you. And God's like, la, 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 la. Go ahead, la, 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 la. And when he gets done and God says to him, okay, I want you to get up and I want you to go do something. Elijah's like, okay, what are we going to do? He said, well, first thing, understand that there's 7,000 more that are doing what you're doing, that are praying to me right now, just around here. So let's settle the fact that you aren't carrying the weight of the whole world on your shoulders. And once we've established that fact, then he said, I I actually have a purpose for you today. I want you to go do three things. I want you to go find Hazael, and I want you to anoint him to be the king of Syria. Then I want you to go find Jehu and anoint him to be king of Israel. And then I want you to go find Elisha and anoint him to be a prophet in your place. 
Elijah's like, oh, I can do that. It's interesting to me to, to, to note this. That the Lord shows Elijah that these three people will will accept the call and, and they will eventually do what that anointing on their life is going to call them to do. And, and, and by God showing this before, this is before these people have even heard that he's coming. Imagine that you're Jehu and you're just going about your business that day and, and, he, and he shows up and says you're going to be the king of Israel. I mean, you say, well, let me think about that maybe. Or Elisha, let me think that. Let me think about that, maybe, right? But Elijah has heard from the Lord, and he says, "Go." God says, "Go anoint these three people. They're going to do what I've called them to do." And and by Elijah knowing that, he can simply go in faith and obedience, do what he's supposed to do, and move on. Which is what the preacher does a lot of times, or the prophet does. They will deliver a word knowing that it's not going to be void, that God's going to take it. Then they deliver a word and they move on. So he's saying to Elijah, you go tell those three what I told you to tell them. They're going to do it. And then you just move on and don't worry about it. So this is what's about to take place. First Kings chapter 19. Verse 19. So Elijah leaves that place and he found Elisha who was plowing. Twelve pairs of oxen were before him and he was with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen. He ran after Elijah and he said, please let me kiss my father and my mother and I'll follow you. And he said to him, go back. What have I done to you? And he turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen kill them, boil their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate and he arose and went after Elijah and ministered to him. The question is, what will Elisha do with the anointing that has just been placed on his life? Get out your pen, turn over the bulletin. God may ask you to do something tomorrow. God may anoint you to do something tomorrow that you're not ready for. Somebody, some need may come along tomorrow that you didn't know about today. This is not just about standing up and preaching a message. This is a whole lot more than that. Tomorrow, God may tell you to do something, and you're going to be faced with the situation that Elisha was faced with. And let's look for a few minutes at how he responded to that anointing or that call. The first thing I want you to notice in verse 19 and 20 is he surrendered to it. Soon as it happened, it says, I, he, he, makes, he makes this declaration. I will go, but... Anybody else done that? I'll do it, but... Hmm. I did that. I'll follow you, but... Let me take care of some other things here. You got to understand that this is a sacrifice for Elisha. When it says he's plowing with behind 12 yoke of oxen, do you know what that means? They, one person didn't plow behind 12 oxen. Two oxen would be yoked together and one person would plow behind them. What they're saying there is he's in a field 
in a family business where there are 11 other guys plowing in front of him and he's the 12th. He's overseeing this. This is a pretty major operation if we've got 12 people plowing a field. Am I right? This is going to be a sacrifice because perhaps this farm, this business is his inheritance. And somebody just came along and said, there's anointing and moved on. And just like that, you've got a decision to make. Am I going to do this? I mean, I've worked really hard to get this job that I got going. I've worked really hard to get to this place where I am in life. Am I really going to do this? This farm, this business is significant. He's thinking, I've got a family, I've got a job, I've got a place, I have routine, I have security. And then the anointing showed up. Hmm. It's quiet in here today. And, And the way that Elijah responds to Elisha is is a strange thing because Elijah just walks up because remember Elijah knows he, he he heard from the Lord this morning and God had already told him go anointing and here's what I'm going to do so he's he's good Elijah's good he knows what Elisha doesn't he knows that Elisha's going to do it so Elijah just walks up throws the anointing on him and just keeps on moving Elisha's like hey 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 time out time out hang on a minute Elijah's like He's just moving on. Elijah says basically there, if you look at that verse, here's how that basically translates. Elijah says to Elisha, either follow me or don't. I've done what God told me to do. That's it. There it is. See ya. You ever get frustrated with the prophet or frustrated with the preacher when they dump this on you and then they just move on? It's like, all right, I'm going on to study for the next one. Y'all deal with that. That's what's going on here. Because God has spoken to the prophet and said, here's what they're going to do. So you don't, don't worry about it. You just obey me. Surrender is a hard thing to embrace. Elisha says, well, just, man, just let me run home and, 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 and tell everybody goodbye. I, I'm going to do it. Just let me tie up some loose ends. Let me leave everything right. Let me handle my business. Let me wrap this up, but I will do it. That's where some of you may be right now. Lord, I'm going to do it. Just let me, you know, give me a minute. I'm going to do it. Just give me a minute. Are you, you're looking at me now and you're saying, is, is that wrong? And I'm, and I'm saying to you, not necessarily. I mean, there's times where there's not much time that can be waited on. There's times when the situation's a lot more urgent and you just got to move right then. But sometimes the Lord is telling you something and he's calling you to something that may not be getting ready to happen right away. It might not happen tomorrow. What he's looking for right now is the surrender. He may not be telling you that you're going to have to do it today. He may be saying, I want you to surrender today. 
I want you to accept and surrender today. Hmm. So then we're put in that situation with Elisha to say, well, my first question, the first thing I deal with is, am I going to do this? Am I going to? Elisha said, I will. I, I, I will accept the mantle of your anointing. I, I'm going to do what you ask. I surrender. I'm going to do it. That's part one. Part two is, verse 21 says, then he committed to it. Where'd you get that at, Pastor? Elisha took the two oxen that he's plowing with and butchers them. So he lets the prophet keep on moving. He goes back to the house. There's the commitment. And butchers the auction that he's been plowing with and use the yoke and the plow, the wood of those, as the fire to then boil that meat on. Basically, what he's doing is he's going home and he's telling everybody, I'm going to do this. I'm leaving. And so I have surrendered to this call and I've committed to this call symbolically by I'm burning my tools. But it's basically a family celebration, too. That's what's going on. He's saying, celebrate with me in this. Let's eat this meat together. Let's let's have this time together. Because I am going to pursue the calling on my life. Celebrate that with me. And I don't see his parents trying to talk him out of it, which would have been a difficult thing, right? You raise somebody up. You turn the the plow over to them. You're letting them run the whole field. Someday it's going to be their business. And then they walk in and say, oh, by the way, I'm called to do something else. And then the family has to take their hands off and say, you know what? We'll celebrate that call with you. We'll celebrate that anointing with you. If that's what, if that's what God has called you to do, then, you know, then he must have a plan for this somehow other way. But you've got to do what you've got to do. Otherwise, why would you kill your work animals and burn the instruments that you use every day? He did this because he did not intend to need them anymore. This is, this is his way of, of cutting ties with his past and everything that's safe and everything that's familiar. Because this commitment of his required a desperate show of faith. Just as yours will. That means you're going to have to, if you're going to pursue the call that is on your life for whatever that might be, you're going to have to give up your own plans. Your will doesn't matter. Your agendas don't matter. Doesn't make any difference what you want. Because now you begin to see how that everything up to this point in your life was simply preparation for that calling. So you, your upbringing, let's you know, talk about that. Your, your upbringing, your education, your connections, your church, all of those encounters that you had with the Lord at the altar and at other places of prayer, all of those things have led you to this point in time. So, so you surrender and now you have to commit. There, there's no going back. God may have some of you burning your plows today. God may have some of you sacrificing those things. Now, here's what I'm not telling you to do. Because a message like this can motivate folks. I'm not telling you to quit your job. If God wants you to mow somebody's lawn this week, you probably don't need to quit your job to mow the lawn. 
Some people get way ahead. They're like, oh, I, got, I know what he's saying. I got to I got to quit everything. I'm not saying that. Here's what I'm telling you, though. I'm convinced of this. To surrender to the anointing that is on your life, you have to turn loose of all your money. You have to turn loose of your plans, your future, your health, your family. If you're going to pursue the anointing of God on your life, you've got to surrender everything to him and trust that he will do with that that needs to be in order for that anointing to come to pass. So that requires us to make some tough decisions. That doesn't mean everybody, like I said, not everybody's going to have to quit their job. But everybody's going to have to turn loose of the things they're trying to hold on to. And number three, he pursued after that anointing. Verse 21 said he got up and he went after Elijah and he ministered to him. You need to understand what that means right there. It means... It means that he followed him as an apprentice and he ministered to him means became his armor bearer. Basically, Elijah is not needing an armor bearer, but an armor bearer is, a, is someone who ministers to them and serves their needs, ministers to them. Does that make sense? Kind of becomes a servant to him, just a volunteer helper to him. So he's saying that, or the word is saying that the pursuit of the anointing is going to demand that you follow after somebody and that you learn to serve before you try to lead. You won't be the CEO tomorrow. If God has called you to pastor, you won't surrender to that call today and pastor a church like this tomorrow. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't happen that way. You can't get where you're going until you pay respect to the process that God has instituted. So that's why sometimes you get discouraged because things aren't happening as quickly as you want them to. They're happening at the right pace. They're happening the way God wants them to. Anybody here a, a freshman in college or a sophomore in college? You know why you're not a senior? Because you're not a senior yet. A anybody here, anybody here in ninth grade? You know why you're not going to graduate this year? Because you're not a senior yet. You hang in there and you will. But you're going to learn a lot of things in the next two or three years that are going to prepare you for that. It's the same thing with the anointing that God would put on your life. You pursue after that. You're going to need to learn from somebody that's wiser, somebody that's gone where you're going. Now, here's what you need to understand. The, the anointing of God will be on you at the moment of your surrender. The anointing will be there, but, but you're, you're not going to reach the potential of that anointing until you die to yourself and until you let that process take place. 
You pursue the anointing. That means you, you doggedly follow and you serve until the Lord decides you're ready, at which point you step out from behind Elijah and you start doing your own ministry. But some of you, man, you want, God calls you, you say, yes, I'll do it. And immediately you want to know why you're not running the show. Why am I not running the show? And it's because there's a process. Pastor, I'm afraid. Well, good. That means you got a little bit of sense. Jesus said, count the cost. He said, still build, but he said, count the cost. He didn't, he didn't say, count the cost and then don't build. He said, count the cost and still build. But count the cost. C.S. Lewis said this years ago, you never know how much you really believe anything until it's truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death. What? He went on. It's easy to say you believe a rope is strong as long as you're merely using it to tie up a box. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a precipice. Wouldn't you first discover how much you really trusted it? Yeah. I'm not nearly concerned about a rope around a box as I am a rope I'm hanging over a cliff by. You need to learn how to trust that anointing. That's why it takes time. That's why God doesn't let you jump right off the cliff with a rope. And the first time you go down the cliff with a rope, you need to go behind somebody that's done it lots of times before. Understand what I'm trying to teach you today. God may, God may be putting an anointing on your life to lead a business. Well, that don't sound very spiritual, but that's what God does. He may, be, he may be putting a, an anointing on your life to run some kind of a ministry outside. He may be, he may be putting a ministry on, on one of your lives to start some kind of a Bible study or a prayer group at your school or, or to do the same thing at your job. Whatever the case might be, that anointing can be different things and for different purposes. But here's what we know about that. We all have to follow the same process in order to walk in the anointing that God has for our lives. So once the mantle is cast on you, and, and you know when the mantle's cast on you. Elijah may not be the one that walks up, but you know when the Holy Spirit's telling you to do something, don't you? Do you know when the Holy Spirit's telling you to do something? When you know he's telling you to do something at that point, then that process becomes the same no matter what that means. If that's to foster children, if, that, if that's to run a business, if that's to go into ministry, what, whatever that means, the process will be the same. You have to accept that you're anointed, and then you have to surrender to that anointing, you have to commit to that anointing, and you have to pursue after that anointing from now on if you want to see the miracles that Elisha got to see. It won't happen any other way. What are you going to do with your anointing? I talk about myself sometimes because I know myself better than I know you. It's not because I'm arrogant or trying to brag about anything. Certainly not that at all. I apologize, though, because sometimes my illustrations are about things that are close to me. 
But I look at this message and I go back to my own life and to my own calling and knowing I was called at the age of 12. I didn't preach my first message until I was 19. And I'm telling you guys, it wasn't much. And then even after I preached that message, it's crazy, but then I walked away from the... I preached a message and saw God save kids and I saw come to the altars and all this kind of stuff. And I still walked away from that even for another season. Isn't that nuts? And then one day I was plowing a field in a grocery store in Clarksville. And the Holy Spirit said, when are you going to do what I've called you to do? Like, I don't know. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to give up on this, don't you? Yeah, I've kind of figured that out. It won't go away. So when are you going to do this? And finally, one day. I just surrendered to it. I just surrendered to the call. And I knew what that meant. I knew that in order to do what that call on my life required, I knew what steps I had to take next. And so, three weeks later, Deb and I were married, and I was enrolled at Bible college. How would you have liked to have been her parents or mine? Y'all, y'all, you know you're not engaged. You sure this is what God told me? God, this is all I knew. I said, God told me to marry Debbie Dotson and to go to Southwestern. I wanted to go to Southeastern because of the beach. And he said, no. He said, you go to Southwestern because you'll go down there and you'll just jack around. He said, I didn't know God talked like that. He talked like I ever had to to get my attention. Can you imagine having three weeks to plan a wedding? We were just a couple of dumb kids. She was 19. I was 21. And we didn't have jobs. We didn't have nothing. We, 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 our honeymoon, the first night was at a Motel 6 in Fort Smith on the way to Dallas. Isn't that romantic? And then the next several nights after that, we stayed with her aunt and uncle down in Texas because we couldn't afford to stay anywhere else. And we went down there to get enrolled in school and to try to find a place to live and to find jobs because school was getting ready to start. And then we came home and loaded up a trailer. We couldn't afford a U-Haul. Dad loaded up a bunch of stuff on a flatbed trailer. And we tied our plastic table and our plastic chairs and our 12-inch black and white television onto a trailer. And we took two used vehicles that nobody knew whether they'd make it or not. And we drove down through the middle of Dallas all the way to Southwestern. And my mom and dad put us... In, in that little apartment and they left 
And that was before there were cell phones. 1984. And they went home, which was a seven-hour drive because we didn't have the same roads we have now. Back then, the way home was all the way up Texarkana and then up Old 71, New Boston, that whole way. It took forever to get home. And they all left, and there she and I sat. So I went to school, and I got me a basically a full-time job, and she went and got two jobs. And we embarked on this journey. Within a three-week period of time, we had surrendered to a call, committed to a call, and were actively pursuing that call. That's 31 years ago. We haven't stopped yet. We haven't stopped doing any of that yet. And every day is just as about a big of adventure as it was. And everything we've ever done in ministry was the first time we'd ever done it. We didn't know how to do it. I'm telling you, I still, I went to Bible college, graduated in Bible college. I went, I, I could have told you when I got out of Bible college, Jerry, I could tell you about the Levitical feasts. I could tell you about Pentecostal church doctrine and history. I had no idea where to stand at a funeral. Nobody ever told me how to do a wedding. You should have seen me doing my first wedding. He said, well, you should have known that you graduated in Bible college. They didn't teach me that. I knew New Testament survey. I knew Old Testament survey. I knew a little bit about the book of Acts. I, I, could, I could put together, I could exegete a message out of Romans. But nobody ever told me how to dedicate a baby. Pastor, I'm scared. I'm afraid. I'm afraid when God says to me, go down the street and minister to that neighbor. I'm afraid to do it. That's why I don't. But if there's something in you telling you to do it, that's an anointing on your life for that. Go on down there and he'll tell you what to do when you get there. Whatever that is. Whatever that looks like. You have to accept that anointing. You have to surrender to it, commit to it, and pursue it. And in the midst of all of that, you'll look up one day and you'll be like, Oh, my lands, we've seen some miracles. We have seen some awesome things simply by being obedient to the calling that was on our life. What you going to do with the anointing that's on your life? What you going to do with it? Once you know that it's there, it makes plowing in the field miserable. Because then when you try to go back to the field and plow, and you're like, this used to work, this is safe, it's secure, I like doing this, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm miserable. I got this thing on my back. I got this mantle on my back. I got this anointing on my back. I got this calling on my life. I'm just miserable plowing this field. Because I'm supposed to be. Huh? Lord, I thank you for your word. I praise you for speaking to our hearts. 
God, there's people in this room who you're wanting to use in things like the gifts of the Spirit. There's an anointing on their life to, sometimes they sense an anointing on their life to, 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 to give a, a, an interpretation to a message in tongues or, or sometimes they feel like they're supposed to lay hands on somebody and pray and they're just scared to do it. God, that is an anointing. That's a calling that's coming on their life. And they've been afraid to accept it, to surrender to it, to commit to it, to pursue that. You've said to them, go, go, go speak to someone, go tell someone I said this. And they're like, I can't do that. I'm afraid because they've never done anything like that before. That's an anointing. It's a calling. Give us the courage, I pray today, to accept our anointings. Accept the anointing on our life. Some already have. And they are actively committed to that and they are actively pursuing that. And they're seeing the results. They're seeing the miracles as a result. There's a bunch here today, God, that, that, that they know. They, they hear things. They hear things from you. They're just afraid. They're just afraid to, to, to go ahead and accept. They're just afraid of what that might look like. How might that change things? They're just afraid of that. We're going to pray in just a second, but can I tell you one other thing before we do? Can I tell you something else? I feel led to say this. Every once in a while, the Lord will allow, this is just for me again, the Lord will allow me to know something. Is anybody else like that? Sometimes the Lord will tell me something about someone. Most of the time it happens when I'm praying for people and I don't even know. I mean, I'll walk up, I'll walk up to somebody, stand there for a minute, the Holy Spirit will say, pray such and such, and I'll just pray such and such, and I'll walk away. I won't even remember what I prayed. And that person will come up later and they'll say, how did you know that? How did you know that? I came here today and I had three things and you, and, and I said, God, if you want me, then you tell me these three things and you named all three. How did you do that? Tell me that again. And I'll say, well, first of all, I can't tell you again because I, it wasn't me and I don't remember what I said. It, I was just speaking. The Lord gave me a, I was just his voice. So I don't know. But I'll tell you that the point I'm, that I'm trying to make with that was, the first time or two that that happened to me, I was scared to death. In fact, every single time still today that I can remember, I'm nervous about that. When I'll be was praying for people, some people I'm just praying, I'm just walking around just praying. And every once in a while he'll say, stop right here, hang on a minute. I'll stop there and hang on a minute. He'll say, all right, pray this or tell them this. Okay. But there's something in me that says before I do it, but God, are you sure? Because if I say that to them and it's not true, it's going to mess them up. Right? And that's scary because I don't ever want to, I don't ever want. And so there's times that the Lord, maybe he would give me a message in tongues and I wouldn't give it. Because I was like, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, I might just be me. I'm afraid. Or else somebody else would give a message in tongues. And the Lord would give me the interpretation. And I'm just standing there saying, oh, God, give it to somebody else. Give it to somebody. What if I mess it up? What if I mess it up? 
Or God would say, I want, I'm, I'm going to give you a word of knowledge. I want you to, I want you to prophesy this. Or I want you to say this. Or, or whatever that gift might have been. Huh? The Lord said, I want to use you in this particular thing right now. And I'd be like, hey, I'm Elisha in the field. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Let me think about this. And then the Lord would say, basically, are you, are you going to, are you going to accept and surrender to this? Are you going to commit to this? Are you going to pursue this? And I'm like, Lord, I love to see those results. Every time that happens and I get to speak some, some life into somebody and I see how that re- they respond, I'm like, God, I love that. That's just awesome. I love seeing you do that. And he said, that's what happens when you surrender, commit, and pursue the anointing on your life. It's not just about preaching, guys. It's about a lot of different things. The Lord has given us this word today because he, he, has, he has called many of us for various anointings. And some have stepped in and are doing it, but others aren't. It's not so much that they're being rebellious or, or disobedient. Just out of fear, they've been afraid. How do you start with something like that? Where do you start? How do you, how do you get from here to there? How do you do that? The first step after you accept it, because a lot, I think a lot of people have done that too. They said, okay, I'll do it. They were just like Elisha. They said, I'll do it. But then they get to those next three steps. Surrender? All right, I can surrender. How, how, how do I? What does commitment to that look like? What does pursuit of that look like? Right? If you feel like that God is asking you to do something, how big or how small doesn't make any difference. If you feel like God is asking you to do something and you're at that place where you just need to acknowledge that anointing, that calling, would you stand? If that's you, would you stand? Go ahead. Keep standing. Don't be afraid. I'm just saying, I'm just not sure what that looks like or what that means. All of you that are standing, have you have you accepted that call? Have you accepted it? You acknowledge, have you acknowledged that call? Have you done that? Have you acknowledged it? Okay. Have you surrendered to it? That's step one. You know it's there, but have you surrendered to it? If not, that's where you got to start. If you have, then have you committed to it? I mean, committed to it to the point that you're willing to, if I have to, I'm going, I'm going to boil the oxen and burn the yoke. Are you, are you committed to it? Are you committed to it? Are you willing to commit to whatever that looks like? And, and then are you willing to doggedly chase it, follow it, 
to see where it leads you? If so, if you're willing to all of that, if you're willing to, uh, if, you, if you bog down somewhere in the cycle, then you still got a little work to do. But if, but if you're in that point where you're like, I'm ready for the breakthrough. I'm ready. I'm ready to figure out what next looks like. I'm ready to not be afraid. I'm ready to knock on the door of somebody's house. I'm ready to do whatever that is. I'm ready to try. I'm ready to try. Then I want you to come down here. Come on. Come on. This is where I may lose a few. This is where we say, God, I just, I want you and I want your will for my life more than anything else. I just, I just want to do what you want me to do, whatever that looks like. Anybody else want to join them? You're welcome. It's not too late. Come on. We're going to pray in a minute. If you want to, come on. If you feel like you're supposed to be down here, come on. Don't, don't let it get by you. Neil's going to lead us. Again, we're, we, this is a house of prayer. And I would ask everybody that's here, if you would, man, if you would, you know, pray with us and extend your hands toward us here. And if you want to, if you, if you feel Im- compelled to come and stand behind one of these for support I would ask you you could do that I I would ask you that you not at this point that I know it sounds weird but at this point come stand behind them but don't touch them don't touch them don't bother them just come stand behind if you want to you're welcome to do that but just as a sign if you just want to be up here with them I want to welcome you to come and do that just don't don't touch them pray all over this room. I want you to be in prayer with us. Neil, lead us. There's, there's just such a, you sense, you sense it, say there's such an anointing. It's, and I don't know how to communicate. I feel, um, I know it sounds weird, but I, I feel this, this anointing and it's a mixture. It's not specific. And it, you know, it feels like it, it's mixed because it represents so many different things. Do you feel that? It's heavy hard to keep them crying isn't it <laughs> such a I'm not trying to be weird y'all but there's just such a a, a a different a different feel a different anointing right now y'all lift your hands step one step one is surrender surrender to the anointing step one Surrender. This is where you say, God, I'll do it. All right? This is where you say, I'll do it. 
I'm going to do it. I'll do it. Immediately flooding your mind is, man, I got some stuff going on, though, that I need to, I need to tie up some things. I got other people counting on me. There's 11 other people plowing in the field here that I'm responsible for. I got, but I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm making a commitment. I'll do it. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. I'll do it. Now tell him, Lord, I'm going to commit to it. I commit to it. I commit. I commit. What do you want me to do? I commit. What what do I have to liquidate? What do I have to burn? What do I have to what do I need to do? I commit. I'm committed. I'm not just having an emotional response again like I've done so many times before where I felt your presence, but this time I'm, I'm saying, yes, I'll do it, and I'm committing to it. And here, show me, God, what does, what does commitment look like right now? Show me what does commitment look like, because that's what I have to come to terms with. I need to know next. Here's what I do. Here's what I do when I leave here. God, here's how I show you that commitment. Speak to their hearts, Lord. Speak to their hearts. And God, I will pursue. I'm going to do what you showed me. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to pursue this. And this is a lifetime thing for me now, Lord. I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to allow this thing to grow. I'm going to allow this anointing to operate in my life. I'm going to allow this thing to produce miracles. I'm going to allow it to produce ministry. I'm going to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Pray for us, church, would you? Pray for us.